Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. What is our wedding date? October 26, 2003. Okay. And we've been in love so long. How old are your kids? 11. Paris is 11. Madison is 10. Savannah is 7. Sydney is 5. Good job. Okay, okay. all cities. Correct, because they're going places in life. That was an accident, but yeah, they are going places in life. An accident? <laughs> well, it was an accident up until Sydney. Right? Or no, Savannah, Savannah was planned. Savannah was right. And then it made sense. Savannah for the last and Sydney. One. Yeah. Madison probably was. Madison the was accident. Paris and Madison was in Madison. Mm -hmm. Paris was intentional. I named Paris, she named the rest. Okay, wait. Did because you know I got distracted yeah, by the cities. How old is Savannah? Seven. 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 Okay. 10, 11, 7, 5. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All girls? Yep. Yes. Are you able to recognize what you all are giving your daughters by being together? Heck yeah. Because just because couples are together doesn't mean that they're happy. You could be married and miserable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes being in a horrible environment with two parents can be worse than being in a single parent home that's healthy. So neither of them are ideal, but ultimately you can extract lessons from any one of those scenarios that could be productive or could be dis destructive. Exactly, because what I'm thinking is, yeah, like the positive and the negative come across because I grew up single parent home a mom who was a boss, told everybody what to do, told my brothers what to do, told her brothers what to do. She was like the matriarch. So now I'm married and trying to tell him what to do and that wasn't working. And with four daughters, that's even worse because now they're in a home with a man and mommy's trying to tell daddy what to do, not a good look. So that's something that I've had to work on coming from a single parent home. So, you know, my reality is that my parents are still together after 40 plus years. All my aunts and uncles are still together. My grandparents were together until they both passed away. So I don't even have an understanding of what divorce is, what it looks like. I've never experienced it. So, you know, coming from that type of family background and then merging with my wife, who comes from a different family background, it's interesting yeah. in how things play out in your relationship. But, but I saw marriage because I, my, everyone else in the family is married. All yeah. my aunts, all my uncles, everybody's married. It's just my mom <laughs> that was divorced. So I had an ideal. Like I remember thinking, like in my mind, making my uncles my dad. And I remember I had two uncles. One of them had no children. He was my dad and he would always buy me things and treat me well and do, and, and I loved him. And then I totally got abandoned once he had a daughter. So I had to claim the other uncle, but I always had the ideal in my mind. I knew what I wanted. You know, just like you said, I understood marriage is something that I can obtain, even though I didn't see it growing up, I wanted that. I had aunts and uncles all around me and they were happily married. They were successful. They didn't struggle. They didn't go through all that what we went through being, you know, with no father in the home and her running everything. We were 23, 22 when we met. We were, uh, we dated for about a year and a half. Well, your life was more exciting than mine. Let me just share mine real quick. I was, um, again, from a single parent home. So I was on my own early. I left when I was 17, got my own apartment, got my own car, had my own everything because we struggled my whole life growing up and I was just done with that. So 
I was living on my own and, you know, being a young girl partying and acting crazy. And right before I had met him, a year before I had met him, I shut my life down. I got my life together. I cut all my friends off. I stopped going to the club. I told my girlfriends, don't call me, don't invite me to the club, don't do any of that. I changed my eating habits. I just changed. Everyone thought I had lost my mind, but I had found my mind, right? And I was focused on God. I was focused on becoming whole. I was focused on what am I supposed to do in this life, you know? And at that moment, I got a job, met a girlfriend who was going to his church. And she was like, you need to meet this guy. This guy is so phenomenal. I'm like, I am so done. I don't need to meet a guy. I don't need a man right now. God is my, I'm, I was just like, wait, like, I'm and anyway, she convinced me to go to this free seminar he was offering. And I'm like, oh God, cause she really bothered me with it. And I went to this seminar and he was amazing. He was so inspiring. He was like, he was young. He was speaking to all these people, all different ages. He blew my mind. And I was just like, oh my God. And I didn't even notice how fine he was at the time. I was just like, this guy is like, <laughs> I didn't, this guy is going to change my life. So I went home, I prayed. I said, God, if you make me like him, if you make it so that I can be influential like him, I will donate 10% of everything that you bless me with when I'm rich and I'm a millionaire. And this is my prayer. And God said, do it now. And I was just like, do it now. My That's going to be like $9.22. I can't do it now. And God said, I said, do it now. So I rounded it up to $10 and I mailed him a check. And I sent him an email saying, I was at your event. You transformed my life. I'm going to sow into your ministry. And from there, he said, well, because you're sowing into my ministry, I'm going to mentor you. And we didn't meet for months after that, but I just remember that's how it started, that we got connected mm -hmm. for my $10 donation. That's it costs. Parallel worlds. I was in a, I was coming out of a, a long-term miserable relationship. And at that point I was jaded, you know, I was just like, you know, there's no good black woman out there. You know how it is. There's no good black man. I was the reverse. And so at that time, I just, dove into my work. I was on the road constantly traveling because, you know, I've been speaking for a number of years and my parents were there for me. I had friends around me that helped me go through a, a true healing process. So while she was getting her life together, I was getting my life together. And there's something about when you are in your purpose, things begin to unfold, you know? So we weren't looking for each other. We weren't looking for anybody. We kind of stumbled into each other's paths because we were focused on what God had called us to do, which is an amazing thing. And so when we came together, we started off as friends and over time developed a relationship that then became more intimate. And then a year and a half later, we got married. Now, what's great about this is we had a wonderful relationship before I do. And then the world just totally Don't imploded. skip the part where you like, we're like, why haven't you, you know, like don't skip the part about how you fell madly in love with me. All right, that part. <laughs> Right. So we had been friends for some time and we were just like chill partners because I wasn't interested in anything she wasn't. And after spending quality time together, I'm like, you know what, when I go on the road, I have all these women, you know how it is when you're on the road, throwing themselves at you, making passes at you. But for some reason, she just wouldn't say anything. She wouldn't do anything. So I'm like, what? what's up with you? That's how you do. Like, how in the world <laughs> do I have all this attention over here That's and I'm with you and I don't get anything? So we actually had what I called, a, finally had like a keeping a real conversation. Well, we just let it all out. And you it was, let it out. I let it out. Yeah. She heard. 
Yes. Uh, and then we got involved in the conversation and it was just like, okay, th this could work. It was my invitation, the way I looked at it, because we had worked together as friends, as partners, you know, all of this, but we were both single. We were both like-minded. We were both spiritually minded. He knew I was fine. I knew he was fine. And at one point he was just like, what's up with you? Like, what's up with us? And for me, that was my invitation to be like, yeah, what is up with us? Like, let's do something. Like, you know, we're both single. I mean, it's just like, you know what? Of course, like a little eye work. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that was there. But at that time, I was just so turned off. It's just like when you turn a switch off and you're not even thinking or looking because you're hurt. You know, you just got out of something and you just want to be free. You don't want to jump into anything. I think that's one of the problems. We race out of bad relationships and because we don't take the time to be alone and by ourselves, we want to race it into another bad relationship. It's like a rerun relationship. So I just wanted to make sure that I was in the right place. And it just was so awesome how we both were kind of in that path at the same time. So when we came together, we weren't broken or we weren't wounded soldiers on a battlefield, you know, making each other's lives worse. Yeah, and for him, he had been engaged to that last female who was a bad relationship. So being engaged and having all of that planned wedding and then breaking away from that, he was just like, relationship was nowhere near in his mind. So let know? me go back, because that's important, right? Yeah. So uh, you probably have to do a whole lot of cutting. <laughs> it's so, all about the details. So, so like literally less than a month before I met her, I was supposed to be married. And two weeks before walking down the aisle, I ended the, I ended the relationship after the honeymoon had been paid for. You know, the, the everything was set up. Invitations were sent out. And just two weeks before, we got into a typical argument that couples get through. And in the midst of that argument, she said something to me that changed my world forever. She looked me dead in my eyes and said, Hassani, that's why you're going to be womanless for the rest of your life, because I'm going to probably wind up cheating on you anyway. Well, guess what? That marriage never took place. And so I, I was just, I was all messed up. So... I said, you know, that's it. 30 days later, doing, you know, a seminar, I meet her. Now, obviously, it had been months between. 30 days later, wow. Yeah, it had been months in between, hi, my name is, and how about we form, you know, some type of friendship. But um, that was my backstory. And so, you know, when we got married, you know, we went through hard times. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had children early. We had the instability of finances because I'm an entrepreneur. I've been traveling. I'm on the road for weeks. So I'm leaving my wife home with a little baby. Two little babies. So can you imagine just the stress on her, the emotional disconnect that we experienced? And it just began to spiral out of control. Uh, it got to the point where she began to despise my work, my passion, because it represented me being pulled away from her. And, uh, it really got bad. We had our first child eight months after we got married. And then uh, 13 months after that, we had our second child. So I had twins, basically, and he was on the road. From my perspective, because I don't know that he had as much tension, because he got, he had the opportunity to escape. Mm -hmm. For me, it was less money, way less money than when we had gotten married. So struggle, from my perspective, because now we have two children, you're on the road, the money's not the same, and then we also had personality issues, like me being, when I grew up, I had three brothers around me. They adored me. I was the princess in the home. I had my own room, my own, my own everything. And I never knew there was something, I mean, of course you know there's stuff wrong with you, but I didn't know so much was wrong with me until I married this man. 
Now, when we were dating, he was like Romeo. I was like perfect. He would do things, throw roses. He was so extravagant. And then when we got married, I felt like, well, gosh, like I didn't know I was this broken. Like nobody ever told me this, that, and the other thing. So I just felt that he was extremely critical. And I'm probably, I probably was very critical to him as, as far as like, you know, the whole time you were always doing what you were doing. But when we got married, suddenly your work became a major problem because I couldn't go anymore, mm. even because I had the babies. So it was a major transition. I was very frustrated. I became very disconnected, very um, jaded and, and cold, sexually, emotionally, physically. You know, in the kitchen, I remember I wouldn't even look at him. I would like walk by like this or try not to touch him, like edge by him, you know. We just were so yeah. disconnected at that time. And it was hard because when you're in a new marriage, you know, you think that there's a whole lot of passion, but as she said, our personalities in just finances and children, like every problem that any marriage could ever experience, we experienced it within the first two years of our marriage. Yep. And so it was at that point that we were either gonna decide to be, we went from literally soulmates to role mates to roommates. And so we became like two ships passing by in the middle of the night, not connected at all. Yes. And um, I, I remember that at that particular time, divorce was on the table. Like, do we stay? Do we go? What do we do? You know, when I realized that the marriage was almost over, like there was a threat that she may leave and she may take the kids with her. That's when I had my wake up call. And I said, listen, either I'm going to divorce her, which I didn't want to do, or I'm going to make the decision to divorce me from myself. And it was at that time that I said, I'm going to divorce myself from my poor communication habits. I'm going to divorce myself from my false perception of masculinity that was working against my relationship. I was just going to divorce myself from all of those family patterns that were poisoning and intoxicating our home. And when I began to do that, when I began to make internal changes within me, because as long as we were trying to fix the relationship, it got worse. Or, but, or as long as you were trying to fix me. Right. And I was trying to fix you. Yeah. It wasn't until we both decided to fix ourselves that things started to change. And when we did that and began to look internally, all of a sudden, we actually got closer together. There was an emotional connection. Sex, of course, uh, started to happen. It was more frequent. It was more pleasurable. And, you know, we, we just bonded. Yeah. And, and Go ahead. No, no. You, you, you were saying ahead. we no, bonded. Fine. I wanted to hear what you had to say after that. I, we I was, bonded. You, know, I, you, you know what you said? It's totally not my, I don't know. What are you going to say? <laughs> well, I wanted to go back to just what I would do to avoid him sexually. Like, I would literally put my do-rag on, a big old terrible t-shirt on, and go to bed. And I would, like, sleep on the edge of the bed, try my best not to let my behind touch his leg. For God forbid he even has the thought that anything is going to happen. Like, that is how bad it was. And he said he, when he realized that divorce was on the table, in my mind, divorce, like legal divorce, wasn't really on the table. I had emotionally divorced myself. I had decided, okay, I got how many more years till I raise these two kids? That was before we had four kids. I'll do that. But you can live your life, do your thing. I'll do me, you do you, I'm good. That really was what it was. And he saw that mm -hmm. as, oh my God, divorce was on the table when I had already divorced in my mind. And that's know? what's so deep about it. You know, when you think about the statistics, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. But for those that remain together, what's the quality of their relationship? 30% of those who remain committed experience an emotional or social divorce. 
So when you have 50% of people who are legally divorced, 30% of those who are emotionally or socially divorced, that's 80% of all marriages. So only 20% is getting it right. And if we were to legally divorce, get married again, it increases the 66% of all second marriages that end in divorce. 78% of all third marriages that end in divorce. So rather than making mistake after mistake after mistake with all these new relationships, she said, why don't we have a new relationship within our own marriage? And because we committed to doing that, everything actually worked out for us. And what we went through became a passion. And we said, you know what, if we can make it, anybody can make it. And so as a result of that, we formed Couples Academy, which was a way of telling people, listen, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter the mistakes that were made. You can be on the path to fulfillment within your marriage and have a wonderful existence for the rest of your days. Mm -hmm. And I think this is important to say because I, I really used to hate his presence. Like, ugh, there he is again. And I thought he, he would, bad? yeah. My God, <laughs> documentary and will I, bring things out of you. And I, I remember you would always come to me at that point when we were ready to turn things around and say, do you believe, like, don't you believe you can re re revive romance? And I used to be like, once the romance is gone, it's dead and gone. Nope, there's no rekindling it. That's a phase. This is the real deal. Get used to it. This is reality. Grow up, you know? And when we went and worked through, when we began to work through our issues and I began to work on my issues, I began to empathize with his issues, with his background, with his family marinade. Like, you know, when you put a steak in a pan and you marinate that steak and all the spices get into it, right? That's like how it is when you grow up. And as that came out through our process of learning each other, I began to empathize with him. So my guard came down and I was way more patient when I would see those things exhibit in our marriage. When he would frustrate me or if he was critical or if he said something, I would say, okay, mm. this is from his marinade. This is something that he's working on. And I was able to work through all those issues. I believe God spoke to him or sent a message because I had been saying, you're critical, you're this, don't touch me. It was just so bad, we were just done. And, I, and he heard a radio show. Somebody had basically said on a radio show what I had been saying and he heard it from a third party about being critical and how to treat your wife and how do you love your wife. So he started bringing tapes home. I, what was the guy? Who was the guy? His videos. Some Gary videos, Smalley. Gary Smalley. And he wanted me to watch them with him. And he would say, let's watch these videos together. I'd be laying on the couch with my do-rag on and my moo moo on. Nope, I'm good. And he kept doing it. He would just put them on, sit next to me and watch them. He was being tender. He was being nice. He kept doing this. And I wasn't interested. And he, and then one day I remember I sat up with him and I was thinking, whatever, you still not getting on tonight. Let's watch it, you know? But he was persistent and he didn't give up. And I saw changes in him. And so whereas before I, I was no longer a believer in him because we had talked about all the changes so many times, I became a non-believer. I'm like, whatever you say is a lie. Everything's gonna go back to what it always is. So whatever, I became a believer. Once I had belief in him, once I believed he meant it, he was sincere, not that he was perfect because he would still make mistakes, but when I believed he was sincere, my heart opened up and I was willing to try. That was the difference. My name is Anthony Clark. And I'm Melanie Clark. And we are The, the Amazing, Amazing Clarks. Clarks. That Band-Aid starts coming off. That dirty-ass crutch, that dirty-ass Band-Aid that you put on before that, not to solve the problem, but just a temporary fix, 
you get to a crossroad at a certain point in life and life goes take that dirty ass band-aid off you try to put it back on and it goes nope take it off nope now it's time for you to really solve the real issue and so when that happens that's when it's time to do the end of chat definitely time the amazing clocks podcast on the black club podcast Network. Well, this is the deal. So after we had kind of went through our intensive, if you will, of videos that lasted for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and we started to make changes, we said, you know what, why don't we get trained in this and figure out how to really perfect our relationship and use it for us? And then once we know it, let's share it with others. So we began uh, to get training. So we became marriage coaches and we went through different programs and different certifications and we, we read, you know, certain books. They really qualified us to be the experts of our own relationship. And then we formed Couples Academy because we wanted to share all this goodness with others. And, you know, from our uh, conferences to our retreats to our one-on-one coaching sessions, it just really began to take off. It began to resonate with people because so many people are going through. Initially, we were just like, you know what, let's help people to have wonderful relationships. Mm -hmm. Have fun. Yeah, but that didn't really motivate people. People didn't want to have great relationships. They wanted to turn their miserable relationships and make them good. So we kind of shifted our focus to really dealing with couples who were in crisis because we were in crisis. And when you're in crisis, it's just like when you're in a burning building and it's on fire and you got to get out, you will do anything to get out of that building. So that's what we began to specialize in. And we realized that we were able to make breakthroughs because we took our life and kind of pulled out life lessons and created a formula or a template, if you will, to help other couples restore their marriages. And that's what we've been doing ever since. Number one, I'm an infidelity recovery specialist. So an overwhelming number of couples struggle with that, whether it be sexual or emotional. And there's different reasons for why people, you know, are unfaithful in their relationship. And we kind of help people work through that process. But outside of that, I mean, there are a slew of problems. But as I always say, you really don't have a financial problem. You really don't have a parenting problem. You really don't have a sex problem, a parent, an in-law problem. What you have is an inability to effectively communicate. And the reality is all of us have personalities that impact the way in which we interact with each other when it comes to our communication. And because of that, it becomes almost like a block that exists within the relationship. It creates a wedge. But if we can learn the fundamentals of what it takes to effectively communicate with each other, all of these issues can be resolved literally overnight. So number one, there are three components of effective communication. Number one, your words. Your words are what you say. Your words are actually 7% of your communication. Number two, your tonality, your tone, how you say what you say. That's 23% of your communication. And interestingly enough, facial expressions and body language, nonverbal, that's 70% of your communication. So oftentimes we think we're excellent communicators because we can articulate and we can make our point known. But that's only 7%. But the problem is your words may be delivering a completely different message than your facial expressions, your body language, and your tonality. And oftentimes these messages are going in so many different directions that it's not being received the correct way from our partners. If we can learn those basic principles, and communication is a planet. There's so many different continents and countries and cities and provinces to it. 
But just the basic fundamentals, if we can get that down, I think that it would wipe out a significant number of problems and issues that we have in our relationships. Oh, yes. You can murder somebody with your facial. You were oh, a yeah. facial assassin. <laughs> I was a verbal assassin, <laughs> a facial assassin. And you know, it's interesting because there's a message we have. Help, my mouth is killing my marriage. And literally, your tongue has the ability to produce life or to produce That's death. That's so real. The yeah. power is in your tongue. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I've killed my marriage several <laughs> times over, but in my mouth is the power of resurrection. So That's I've been right. able to turn our, rela our, our relationship inside out because I was able to then understand, you know, the words of affirmation yeah. and healing words. And I've been able to restore our, our marriage because of that. 100%. I was perfect from the beginning. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You can smile. <laughs> you know, like I had said before, like coming from a household where my mom ran things, I had goggles on that totally engulfed what I experienced growing up. I had three brothers. My brothers were mechanical. They were computer type people. They were plumbers. They could do everything. They were just, they could cook. And I held my husband to standards that I saw as mm. being manhood. And so, you know, no man wants to hear you're not a man, okay? That is just a no-no. Do not say that your man is not a man. And I would attack him a lot with, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, verbal, I, I was a verbal assassin. I would attack him, I was critical as well about what I expected as a man. And then when the children came along, what I expected as a father, not really even having that real picture in my head. I think that the lack of a father in the home created this desire for a certain ideal that I wanted to force him to be. And that was a major problem. And I think, you know, a lot of times in general, women want to be brides and not ready to become wives. There's a major difference. To be a bride means that you're so caught up in the day, the dress, the honeymoon. But guess what? The next day, the day after, you have to take on a role. And I think that one of our problems was that there was role, not confusion, but there was no clarification. Or we had unspoken expectations mm -hmm. of what those roles were. And because they weren't clearly defined, it caused a major problem. So I had my expectations because of what I saw my mom and my dad do that she may not have fulfilled. So that's why I say there's a whole lot of trial and error in relationships. And unfortunately, you know, I say this all the time. Most couples spend eight months to a year preparing for their wedding and about three hours preparing for their marriage. So and that's what we did. We had a couple of sessions. We knew basics, but it was like a crash course. We learned through trial and error. And, and along the way, we got hurt in the process mm -hmm. and we hurt each other in that process. And our kids, unfortunately, were exposed to certain things at young ages. Thank God we got it together and now we're trying to be the best model for our children so that they can mirror what they're seeing in the household. But I tell you, I said, you know, if couples really took the time and invested in premarital or pre-engagement counseling and coaching, they would have a much smoother ride once they say I do. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for couples to understand that there's a major difference between your relationship and your marriage. Okay, your marriage is an institution. Your relationship fits within the institution of marriage. So each require different skill sets. So when you're dealing with your relationship, you're talking about the ability to effectively communicate, sexual fulfillment, meeting each other's emotional needs, knowing how to love. That's where I struggle with in those particular areas. 
When it comes to marriage, you're talking about delegation of responsibilities, financial planning, parenting, right? So those are more business management type of skills. So there's some people who have awesome relationships, horrible marriages. Other people have awesome marriages, horrible relationships. So you have to learn those skills and know how to navigate in and out of those because depending upon the situation, one skill may have to rise up, right? Uh, more so than another. And I think the problem is many of us know how to relate to one another because we're in relationships, but we have no clue that once we say I do, it's not about the romantic atmospheres. There's so many other responsibilities and obligations and expectations that come along with that phase of your relationship that right. we're not prepared for. And it winds up impacting our relationships in a powerful way. And I think it, it's really important to know the seasons because, you know, for premarital, you're looking at a whole different group of issues that you could avoid if you went through counseling. And then when the children come. So, I mean, the counseling should be I, probably dispersed in different seasons yeah. of your relationship. Like there's four seasons of a successful relationship. Yeah. You have the dating season, which is really the selection process. You have committed courtship, which is the getting to know you phase. You have engagement, which is the season of preparation. And then you have marriage, which is the final frontier, hopefully. hopefully. The problem is most people don't recognize that there are four seasons. They don't properly go through each season. Some skip over seasons. Some stay stuck in seasons for too long. And as a result, they don't have the proper foundation in order to carry them into a successful relationship. So true. There's always exceptions to a rule, right? So my aunt and uncle were married, I'm sorry, they dated for six months. They've been married for over 40 years. I have another cousin and his wife, they've been dating for nine years and they're still together after 20 plus years. So there's no perfect formula. I believe that every couple should at least be together for at least a year because it gives you some foundation. As, as individuals, we have no problem becoming physically naked early in a relationship, but we have a problem becoming emotionally naked. And so emotional vulnerability takes time. You need time to develop that. But if you can fit it within a six month period, I know many people who have done that and it's worked. Others, it hasn't worked. So it's all about timing. If you pick a fruit too early, it's not right. Mm -hmm. You bite into it, it doesn't taste good. You pick it too late, it's rotten. Mm -hmm. You bite into it, it doesn't taste good. Right. So it's about the proper development of your relationship right. based upon your level of maturity and what you're looking for. Yeah, I think we needed time because of where we were in our lives. You know, it depends on where you are. If you're yeah. ready to go, some people know instantly, it's just about when's the wedding date. You know, we weren't even marriage minded at that time. You were trying to get as far away from marriage <laughs> as you humanly possibly yeah. could, so. Interestingly enough, after my previous relationship ended, I just shut down. You know how she said she shut everything down? I kind of did that too. And I had a great support system around me. I wasn't alone. And really I embraced my season of singleness where I literally went through a shetox, getting her out of my system. So I didn't carry any of the, well, not to say I didn't carry any, we all carry some type of residue, but I was able to get a lot of that out of my system. So I didn't hold her hostage to my past hurts, past pains and, and issues. And so I think that's important that couples or individuals learn to embrace that season. And you know what? When I met her, I still wasn't looking for a wife. I wasn't ready for a relationship. We took our we took our time. I mean, we literally developed a business relationship first because that's kind of how we came together. Then it became a friendship that then became the foundation of every season that we experienced thereafter. So at the end of the day, you know, Danielle often talks about 
your secret sauce. Like every couple has a different secret sauce that makes a relationship work. What's ours? We're friends. Like legitimately. I love her, but I like her. And that's important. Yeah, I think... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was nice. I think that um, when we were early on in our days, when we were dating, we were such friends. I remember thinking, how am I ever gonna like, am I gonna be able to turn the friend thing off and turn the, you know, turn the spice on? Because we did not have sex before we got married. That was a commitment that we both made to God and to each other. That was hard. But when we Literally. were- Literally. Yeah. But there was a time when I thought, gosh, we're such good friends. This is gonna be awkward, you know? But that's how close we were. We could, you know, joke and watch a game together and go to the park. Like we could mm -hmm. do anything together. We could turn on the business cap together and work and build. It was an amazing partnership that turned romantic and it was beautiful. Well, we both previously had partners. I think when we came together, it was after we had gotten ourselves together yeah. and realized that we wanted to do it right this time, you know, and we made a commitment to each other and to God and had accountability partners and people we would check in with because there were moments of weakness. I mean, she was weak a lot. You are lying. And, uh, <laughs> that is a lie. You were the and weak so, one. <laughs> we both were weak at times. You know, when she was weak, fortunately, I was strong. When I was weak, she was strong. So we were accountable to one another as well. But see, you know, many people get caught up in, well, the how. How did you do it? How did you? Mm -hmm. Really, it's the why. If you have a strong exactly. enough why, you can endure any how. And our why was so important to the both of us, and we had a shared vision. Mm -hmm. And that's why it worked. I don't know anything other than five women in my house. And then, then it was six with my mother-in-law. So now, you know, I'm completely outnumbered. And so for me, you know, one of the things that I believe in is that every man needs a man. Yes, indeed. Every man needs an outlet. Every man needs somebody that he can connect with. And fortunately, I happen to have very good men in my life who have daughters, as well as sons. So when I'm struggling and when I'm overwhelmed and when I need somebody to talk to or just to vent, I have somewhere I can go. And they act as a positive reinforcement. So when I feel like burning the village down and killing everybody, <laughs> they're able to sustain wow. me. I'm not saying it gets that bad. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I just think it's important. A lot of times men are like, you know, we isolate ourselves, we go to our cave, and we we become very introspective, and we don't deal with stress well. And I think because I have a healthy outlet and I have a good support system, I'm able to make it through. Yeah, and I even noticed the difference in him. Like, there was a time when he didn't have these men in his life, and he struggled more, he didn't have an outlet, he was more, I, I feel depressed and just isolated. And I'm really grateful for the men that he has in his life now that he could pick up the phone and call. And he might be on the phone with these guys, you know, three in the morning and just they're brainstorming. And it's just making him mm. a better, more well-rounded man. Well, we've both been entrepreneurial. Um, and whether we had different ventures and accommodated each other or complimented each other, or whether we were on the same you know, had a, the same project and the same business yet? Well, I've always been his marketing backbone. That's what I do professionally. So I did all his websites, all his, yeah. you know, printed material, everything from online marketing to print marketing to radio to everything. So that's how we've always um, worked together in our businesses, whatever the venture is, but that's how we work together. And it's been from day mm -hmm. one. And, and now, you know, through all of the business and development of growth that she's experienced, 
I actually consult with her. So we'll brainstorm and come up with great ideas and carry them out. And it's been awesome. And so from a from a relationship standpoint, I'm really the main coach or counselor, if you will. But anytime we do event-based activities where we're required to speak, she's right there with me. And even though I've been doing it for 17 years on my own, you know, even, and I have my own brand, you know, this business model has been taken to the next level because of her, you know, so she's a major part of the success that we're having uh, from a business perspective and from the ability to connect with couples and to help transform people's lives. And something that I'm really excited about that's next is that we're helping business, small business owners that are married couples, co-preneurs, build their business and build their brand. So we have the, the Couples Business School, which to me, it's like the pinnacle of everything that we've always done because working together is hard is. when you're married. Trying to know when to switch that cap off. How do you go from working in business and grueling, you know, day-to-day mm -hmm. calls and negotiations and all of that to, you know, wifey at night? is very difficult and I find or we find that a lot of couples struggle with that and so now we're helping them to work through that helping them to put the boundaries in place and then helping them to take their businesses to the next level going from six to seven figures mm -hmm. that's what we're doing now together so it helps me feel like we're finally God has finally answered my prayer way back when I gave him ten dollars <laughs> that we're able to be on the same playing ground because I can give 100% of what I'm good at uh, it gets tremendously exhausting because think about it as an entrepreneur there's no nine to five mm -hmm. so you're constantly working we just had a conversation about that the other day like we need to take a break you need to back away from the computer hasani yes. put the phone down mm -hmm. and so you know oftentimes our work spills or bleeds into our personal lives and so listen a lot of people are seeking balance for me in all practicality is there any such thing as perfect balance it's more or less no. a balancing act you know, and, and as long as you're communicating with your partner and you're prioritizing your relationship. See, this is what I was saying before. Before I do, your relationship is the most important thing on the planet. Once you say I do, it becomes the last thing on your list of priorities. So we made a decision that we were going to prioritize our relationship. So we created something called the color coded calendar. Mm -hmm. And we have spots on our calendar that are couple time. So whether we're dating inside of our household, watching television, eating buckets of Movie popcorn night. and enjoying ourselves, or going out for the night, or going away for the weekend. We take the time to do that to give us some sanity yes. to go back to work. And, and there's no again. cell phone. There's no taking calls. There's no computer. Everything shuts down. It's 100% focused because I've, and, and things will creep back into your marriage. Like you can't assume that once you get things straight, it's just straight. Like you get busy with life and we will work together. Things creep in. When we first started dating, there was no like smartphone in your hand 24 hours a day, you know? So these are the boundaries that you have to put in place when you start seeing things go south. So we would be literally like together, you know, on a date, like checking messages. And we're like, hold up, stop, no. Yeah. This is weird. Let's set the boundary rules. We engage, we look eye to eye, you know, when we're communicating. There's no third conversation going on. So those are the rules that we put in place to keep each other first and to keep things romantic, you know? Now that doesn't sound sexy. Rules? Yes, it does. Why would you want to have a rule in your relationship? I'm beyond rules. Well, the reason why we've lasted so long is because we've established government in our home. Yes. We have a family constitution. We have a formula that works for us and we submit to that formula and it works. 
you know, having the four kids, having four daughters, and they're 10, 11, 10, 7, and 5, they're, they're getting up there now. And I'm enjoying bringing them into the business of, in the conversation that we talk all day long. They know Couples Academy. They want to bring about Kids Academy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very entrepreneurial minded. And so we try to bring that to them, but we also try to, you know, we set aside on that calendar family time mm -hmm. where it's just them. Same attention that we give one another for our romantic time, we give them with family time. It's all about them. We listen to them. We have mommy-daughter days, daddy-daughter days, where we take one daughter out at a time and spend time with her only, let her ask all her questions and engage and get to know our kids. So we, we do our best. I mean, it's a balancing act. It really is a juggling act more so than anything. But we try to make sure that we incorporate them and that they feel equal just, just like we do. And it's not easy. I mean, it, four girls, whew, it's not easy. And the emotions, and Hassani hides sometimes. Sometimes he disappears, but he's doing okay. Don't stop dating. Oftentimes monogamy transitions into monotony. Yeah. And if you stop experiencing new things and going to new places and having new dates, your relationship becomes old. So continue to date. And, and I would say continue to learn each other because at eight months, I think we were still on cloud nine. Yeah. The things that you experienced in your life come out slowly but surely. Nobody's necessarily hiding anything from you but just nature and habit. And sometimes those things start frustrating you. So like I said, when I began to understand where things came from in him, in him, I was able to empathize. And so I feel like if you learn your partner early, you can empathize early and you'll avoid all of that stress and tension that comes about by not understanding where stuff comes from. Piggybacking off of that, you know, we believe in becoming a student of your partner. Like you should get your PhD in your mate. I think the biggest challenge that couples experience, particularly early on, they're trying to evangelize their partner or win their partner into being just like them. You have to think like me, you have to respond like me, but wait a minute, they're different. I call every couple the odd couple. You know, we're wired differently, we function differently. And rather than making these differences issues in our relationship, we can make them strengths. Compatibility is not being just like your partner. It's identifying and celebrating the differences and figuring out how you can make it work for the relationship. Okay.